0: hello everybody welcome back to Cloud Wars live we are seeing new waves ripple through the digital revolution and it is uh becoming very very real from everything from AI other things like that but I think too it's a lot of part of the mindset that we as individuals uh are beginning to have about you know what is taking place in the world around us I hope we are all uh you know recalibrating to try to figure out how do we uh keep up with these things that are taking place here, participate and like it. And one of the people who is very best at spotting some of these early trends where this is going, what's happening is our dear friend, Christopher Lockhead, who it would take me too long to cite all of his many accomplishments. I'll just say he's a great guy, podcaster, author, bestseller, thought leader, uh he is uh just doing some wonderful things christopher i won't embarrass you anymore by going into you know all your
1: don't forget my mother thinks i'm really handsome
0: his mother loves him <laughs> his dad, you know i think you know thinks he's a pretty good guy as well canadian by birth u.s citizen now all around good guy
1: bob it's great to see you thank you again for having me as always i love these conversations and i miss them when, for whatever reason we don't get to have them yeah same here christopher So I do want to talk about AI and I do want to talk about some things that are going on in tech, particularly in Silicon Valley that I think are being missed, but I don't want to start there. I want to start with an experience I had yesterday on Twitter. So I fire up my Twitter and I see this post, this tweet, and it's got an image of the Twin Towers with one of the planes exploding. And the tweet is about some, let me just call it research. Um, And the whole thing is a a study of um, how stupid the people who died in the buildings were because they listened to the authorities who told them, hey, don't worry, we got this handled. Don't panic, don't run, don't do anything. And the whole thread was about how dumb all those people are And how smart the people who didn't listen to the authorities were who got out in time. That's what the fucking post is about. That's what the quote unquote research is about. And they show this image. So uh, let me just read to you uh, what happened. So I I posted this this morning. Yesterday I saw a tweet about how stupid the 9-11 victims who were murdered are. Because they did not get out of the towers with an image of the Burning Uh, Twin Towers, when I pointed out that one, the image of the burning Twin Towers is a photo of a mass murder. Two, the picture can cause much pain to countless friends and family of the murdered. Three, public shaming of murder victims is disgusting. Four, you have to be a special kind of asshole to monetize murder for your own clickbait. And I continued to say the following, everyone on the thread shit on me except one person. They said I was wrong, a snowflake, suck it up buttercup. Pain is just suffering leaving the body and that I need to see those 9-11 images so that I never forget, which is a powerful reminder. We live in an America or making public judgments about people who were ruthlessly and unjustly murdered is okay. Where the average convicted killer serves only 15 years in prison, the average rapist three, and the media makes billions monetizing murder as entertainment. No justice, no peace. Um, and- go ahead. No, No, please, please.
0: I just want to know. So you said of all the comments you got on that.
1: Was it only one supported you or only one? Yeah, there was one person that agreed with me and everybody else told me what an asshole I was.
0: Wow. That must have sort of made the rounds of, uh, you know, the the jerk lists everywhere. Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, now it's indicative of a bigger thing that's gone on in America. It's one of the most terrifying things that's happened in my opinion, in our country, and it's really on fire here on the West Coast, which is the ongoing, continuous legalization of crime. And let me be let me give you a few specifics of late. So I don't know if you saw this, but uh, very recently, the uh, federal prison uh, system announced that uh, Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes who was sentenced to 11 years in prison for defrauding investors of billions. She was not sentenced, for reasons I don't understand, for the countless misdiagnoses that her fake bullshit scam machines gave people who were in real need of care. She wasn't convicted of that. Why, I'll never know. Probably because the trial took place here in California. Anyway, regardless, she was sent to prison for 11 years, for defrauding investors. It was just announced, Bob, that she will be released two years early. Just announced. She just reported to to prison in the last, less than I think three or four months. Now, apparently she has to behave well, but if she behaves well, she's gonna be out two years early and just watch. This is what something in America nobody tracks, is there's what people are sentenced to which for serious crimes in America is generally not very long. And we can talk about that. And then there's what they serve. So for example, in the United States of America, the average killer is in jail for 15 years. Hmm. The average rapist is in jail for three. And in California, I don't know what it is around the country. The, the average convicted fentanyl dealer, and fentanyl is now considered by some, although I did some searching and there's a dispute about this. Some people say it's the number one killer of people under the age of 50. Some people say it's not. Wherever it is, it's killing a lot of fucking people. And here in California, you can be a convicted uh, fentanyl dealer and you'll serve three years in the town that I live in. Uh, In the last couple months, a fentanyl dealer was found with enough fentanyl to kill over a thousand people and enough meth to kill over 500 people. And he was released on twenty thousand dollars bail. And he's walking our streets right now. Oh, by the way, he had over 15 illegal weapons and a Santa Cruz, California judge let him out on twenty thousand dollars bail. Oh, and by the way. When you're in prison, when you're in jail, all your phone calls are taped. The sheriff's department here in Santa Cruz presented the judge with an audio tape of this um, uh, attempted mass murderer, because that's what a fentanyl dealer is, telling his court-appointed judge that you and I pay for, or his uh, court-appointed lawyer, excuse me, that he had the $20,000 in cash stored on his property in a hiding place that the cops didn't find when they raided his place, so that's how he was going to be able to pay pay the bail The sheriff's department played that for the judge, and she still let him out. So there's this thing that's hard for people to believe, and that is that there has been an ongoing legalization of crime. Here's the other one that made me batshit. So there's a woman who participated in murdering Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. Yeah. Most people don't know the names Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. What they do know is the celebration of Manson and Van Houten and the others. And Van Houten is the woman who killed Leno and Rosemary. And she was just let out of prison. And so now there is no justice because there's no punishment for the friends and family of the LaBianca's. And in all of the discussion of letting the LaBianca's murderer out, all of it, I read it. I didn't see any discussion of justice. I didn't see any discussion of punishment. The whole discussion, it was a three-judge panel, the whole discussion was, oh, she's been a model citizen in jail. And she's done all that, she's done years of therapy, Bob. She really has. And because she's an older person now and she's learned so much and she's been a model prisoner, Bob, that she's no longer a threat to society. And so because she's been so good in prison and because she's no longer a threat to society, we're going to let her out. Okay. Let's say those two statements are true. Let's say they're a thousand percent true. Let's say she's a radically reformed person. And she's 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 she said, sorry, she's learned she's whatever you want to say she has. And let's say it's factually correct that she's not a threat to society, which I don't know how you can say a brutal murderer like she is. I don't know what fucking degree you need to have to be able to tell me that she's not going to do something horrible again. But that's what the fucking smart people have said. Okay, let's say they're right. Here's what's missing. Any discussion of Leno and Rosemary's life being taken, any discussion of the fact that Rosemary and Leno were loved by their families and by their friends, and they, after all these years, don't get their freedom. In the United States of America, we don't believe in punishment, and where there's no punishment, there's no justice. And um, the other thing I want to say about this, two other things. Guess how much fentanyl they have in Singapore.
0: Uh, I would guess that's pretty low.
1: Kind of zero. (laughs) Because in Singapore, unlike in the United States of America, crime is illegal. Now, I know you've been watching what's been happening with the legalization of crime here on the West Coast. And there's been... a, a, a. Ever increasing drumbeat now. If you look at Seattle, if you look at Portland, if you look at Los Angeles, and of course, if you look at San Francisco. So, what we're now seeing is the radical decay of society and the economy in those countries, in those uh, cities, excuse me. So, in the city of San Francisco, the largest mall in the city owned by Westfield, who I think is the largest mall operator in the world. If they're not, they're certainly one of them shut the entire fucking mall on Market Street. Uh The whole thing. Nordstrom said, we're out. And then shortly thereafter, Westfield said, we're out. Um, If you own a drugstore in San Francisco right now, all of your merch is behind a locked thing. And so in our rush to have empathy for the mentally ill and the homeless... That has somehow extended into this radical legalization of crime. The guy who attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband is not facing life in prison. He's facing 25 years to life. And in California, 25 years to life equals 15 years. So you can break into one of the most senior members of our government's home, attempt to murder their spouse, and in all likelihood, not only are you not gonna spend the rest of your life in jail, you're gonna get out with much of your life left. And so this is a discussion, by the way, when you have this discussion at a party, it ruins the party, right? By now, your listeners are not listening. I don't know why this topic is a topic nobody wants to talk about, but it is a seminal topic because part of the reason we have a crisis in San Francisco is because of the legalization of crime. Now we can talk about why this is happening. We have all sorts of things, but here's the aha. I think a lot of us believe that human nature is good and that most people will do what's right. And, I want to believe that, Bob. My lived experience shows that, well, there's truth to that. There are angels on this earth. However, a big part of why most people behave well is because we've created a system of carrots and sticks. Human beings take the least resisting path. It's like water rolling down a mountain. The stream ultimately will find the most direct path to get down, right? It's a law of nature. And so human beings will survive and try to thrive in the way that is the easiest for them. Well, when we have a system that rewards the behavior that we want and that provides people with opportunity people will behave in the way that we want them to behave. If they think the path of least resistance to whatever their definition of success is, is an illegal path, is a murderous path, is a taker path, not a maker path, because all criminals are takers. Entrepreneurs and innovators are makers. So in a world where um, the sticks for taking have been diminished greatly, and in some cases, taken away. Do you want to know what just happened in California? There was a proposed new law to make child trafficking a, quote, serious, end quote, felony. And the government of California decided that child trafficking, Bob, is not a serious felony. And that it's only serious if the child is physically damaged, abused or beaten up or something horrible happens. So if you child traffic somebody, as long as you don't abuse them, you didn't commit a quote, serious felony. We, the fucking state government in California, I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. And so there's an awakening, I think, that we need to start uh, waking up to. This is the thing we need to get woke to, which is, If we want to live in a thriving America, no justice, no peace, equal justice for all under the law and treating crime like it doesn't matter is insane. And now we're paying the price. And some of our greatest, most beautiful cities in the country are destroyed. And it's going to take a long time. A lot of people think it's going to take over 20 years for San Francisco to come back. And there's no indication, at least here in San Francisco, I'm not as familiar as Portland with Portland, L.A. or or Seattle. But it's not clear that there's any movement in San Francisco to change any of the conditions that created the zombie apocalypse. And um, and as a matter of fact, if you look at what the courts just did. um, The legalization of crime and the making it okay, and, And this is how fucking okay it is. When you bring this conversation up, people look at you like you just grew a third eye. Mm-hmm. And the experience I've had for the last several years in California is one of being gaslit by the entire state. Like I'm crazy for not understanding this. I'm crazy for being uh rip shit mad that uh, tens of thousands of violent criminals were let out during COVID. I'm crazy for being mad when people say, oh, well, you know, if 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 Elizabeth behaves well, she's not a violent cr- criminal, so she can get out. What's she gonna do? She's gonna get out in half the time, or or even less. She's gonna write a book. She's gonna go on all the shit. She's gonna go talk to Rogan, and she's gonna become a champion. Look, this. So this thing's all gonna go upside down. You can just see it. And so um, those of us who think that in order to have a world that works, we need big carrots and big sticks. And crime needs to be illegal. And justice and punishment need to become part of the conversation because Singapore is one of the safest places on planet Earth. Now, there's many reasons for that. Economically, socially, they do a lot of very uh, awesome things in Singapore. And big sticks with the big carrots. And we we are creating a stick-free environment here in the United States of America, and it has impacted our family in the most horrible way imaginable. And you look at the gun violence in this country, it's going to impact almost every family over time. And we continue to do nothing about it.
0: Yeah. uh, All powerful stuff, Christopher. And I tell you that, you know, that I did read about the state legislature there in California that, uh, you know, for whatever parliamentary procedure or, you know, illogical piece of logic, they tried to say, well, this new bill doesn't do anything that the other one didn't. And they just shot it down that. That was a tough one. That was that was very tough to read, right? You see these cities crumbling, like you've said, with San Francisco and all that but i would think that at least at some point some people could rise up and say okay above you know all else we will still you know honor and revere the safety and sanctity of children but no they couldn't do that and uh i do find it if it wasn't so terribly painful it would be hilarious to see uh different political leaders from your state you know the mayor of san francisco the governor when they they shoot down these these studies that show, you know, how many businesses are leaving San Francisco, what the occupancy rate is just like, no, no, that's, it's situational. It's, it's not really the thing. It has nothing to, the the two things are disconnected, the rampant crime and the uh, horrible, uh, you know, conditions of the streets. Those are unrelated to this. Retail is collapsing at blah, 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 blah.
1: It's am. I saw London breed say it's partially because of online sales. That's why the retailers are all leaving. It's like um, you, you do right. realize, Mayor Breed, that um, the Bay Area created all of these digital companies. And oh, by the way, a whole bunch of them used to be headquartered right the fuck there. You do know that, Mayor Breed. Yeah, it's, um, it's stunning. And look, I, as you know, I'm a radical independent. And so people on the left don't like me and people on the right don't like me. So nobody likes me. Uh, I, I like don't. You, I, <laughs> well, thank you. I don't think this is a left or right issue. I don't think this is a Democrat, Republican. I don't think it's any of that. What I do think is, I think a lot of good-hearted people who saw the three strikes are out policy California used to have and who saw the mass incarceration in the United States said, look, this isn't right. We're the only country that does this level of mass incarceration. I understand that. And letting all the killers out and the rapists out it's not the right answer. So I don't like mass incarceration either. And oh, by the way, the data suggests that there has been a lot of racism in, in, in that incarceration. More than one thing can be true at the same time. We can have too much incarceration. We can have bias in the system. And we can be doing dumb things by letting killers out in 15 years and rapists out in fucking three. Those things can be true at the same time. And we can have a carrot and stick discussion are there things that we could do more for um, disempowered groups and disempowered people and economic things we could do and social things we can do and educate. Absolutely. And should we do those things? And do we have healthcare? Pro- Absolutely. Let, let's talk about creating an environment that helps people in need, that helps le- uh, level the playing field, that helps people who are poor uh, all day long, all fucking day long. However, in Santa Cruz, over a two-year period, we spent about $126 million on homelessness. We had approximately 4,000 homeless people at the beginning of the project. Guess how many we had after the $126 million? 8,000? The same number. And now we want to spend a lot more money on homelessness. And what people don't realize is, of course, this problem going on for a long time, and it gets getting worse, not better. And so there's lots of parts of this problem. And I've had some of the experts in dealing with this problem on my podcast and the homeless industrial complex is a very real thing now. And so we're just not getting after it. There's an empathy side of this that is very, very critical and important and a set of services we need to deliver that are very important and carrots and sticks. If people know if you behave well. You have these opportunities and life is good for you. And if you behave evilly, if that's a word, sure, shit goes bad for you. Yes. And that's the piece I believe we've forgotten. And I think we see it in the data and we see it in the pure insanity of whether it's Elizabeth Holmes or the LaBianca's killer or any of this other insanity that's going on.
0: Chris, there's a lot of things I wanted to ask you about, and you know that the Van Hooten getting out. and uh, you know, well, like you said, she's older. she's been a model citizen. and then that thing of compassionate, what is it parole or leave or hey, the person who got murdered, they don't get any compassionate leave, you are right? I don't get that. But bring it a little more of a personal level. You mentioned a few minutes ago about how if you bring this up party, it kills the party. Why? are almost uh, you know why are so many people afraid to talk about this
1: so here's what i think most people just land in a place that says well that's how it is and i can't do anything about it so i'd rather watch um uh, you know, Desperate Housewives or uh, what are those fucking shows? with the the Housewives of Atlanta, or whatever the fuck everybody's watching. I don't know. I don't watch any of that. Stuff. I don't know any of that stuff. But you know what I mean. I'd rather watch a dumb, entertaining thing because the pain is too. And listen, I understand that as somebody who's suffered extraordinary pain. Um, you know, when 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 I'm watching the news of the dead bodies in um, in Ukraine, I, you know, I I need to fast forward through some of it. I understand the sort of There's only so much one's nervous system can take. I I understand all that. However, there's a small percentage of us that go, uh, to quote the big Lebowski, this aggression will not stand, man. This is actually insane that we've let this happen. It's insane. And I'm not going to leave the the place that I love because a bunch of, I'll I'll say, well-intentioned people with good, with empathy tried to do something that was, had horrible, unintended consequences. I'll give you a simple example. Here's something that is a big deal here in California. The history of the criminal matters and is, is, is completely admissible in discussions around uh, the crime and of sentencing. So, Bob, you know, I mean, this, this, this Van, Van Hooten, she had a horrible childhood. And she was brainwashed by a horrible person. And she was only, I forget how old, 19 or young when she did it. And blah, 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 blah. All these circumstances that say that the fact that she killed the LaBiancas, you know, it's not 100% her fault. (laughs) And if you look at what's going on in the United States... we're really seeing is the destruction of individualism and the destruction of self-responsibility.
0: Yeah, and Chris, that what the point you just made, there's one of the reasons why I want to go back to something you said a minute ago that uh, you're not going to leave because of some of these policies put in place by well-intentioned people who have empathy. I don't think they are well-intentioned. They would like to be thought of as having good intentions. They would like to be thought of as you know, better, more virtuous, more kind, and more gentle. So they enact things that have been proven time after time, after time, after time, after time to fail. And they don't just fail, like not work, like, oh, that plumbing sewer system we put in isn't quite as good as it was supposed to be. These are people's lives, the, uh, the, the victims, the crimes, the communities that surround that, other young people growing up and seeing, hey, what, who are the role models here? Who do I want to follow? So I I I got to disagree with you there, my friend. I don't think they are well intentioned. They either are del- have deluded themselves into thinking there, or they just want to go to parties and be thought of as, hey, that person was that person virtuous. There, that's a good person. Now we you know, so I I think one of the things, Chris, to get over this hump, we got to knock down some of these things about empathy and well intentioned. Did- taking over to such an extreme that it loses any sense of of meaning if those people are empathetic and well-intentioned i would hate to see who some of the dumbasses are that are causing you know some of this trouble
1: look i i would tend to agree with you I, i i want to include the best i can the people who are so far um let's just call it in the other camp that uh, there's a bridge we can create to them okay. yeah. where they can, where they can understand, you don't understand no justice, no peace and justice is equal justice. And we live in a world where there's uh, so I'm, I just, I just went to Google Bard to check. So <clears throat> Bard is telling me, As of 2023, there are an estimated 8,159 inmates in California prisons who are serving sentences for murder. This represents about 10% of the prison population. So roughly 8,200 killers. So there are 8,200 families in the state of California right now who are sitting there going, well, the murderer of the LaBiancas is out so what's gonna happen to the murderer of my loved one? They could be out too. And so this is where shit breaks. This is where shit breaks really badly. Shit breaks when children can't walk down the street and go to the park. Shit breaks when you can't operate a, drug store in, a in a in a beautiful American city because of all of the crime and the violence that takes place, right? it 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 does nothing fucking works in a world where there isn't justice and there isn't punishment and punishment and justice are now bad words they don't occur in any i i read the sentencing of um the the i read the parole board's uh, action as it relates to the LaBianca's killer There's no conversation about justice. There's no conversation about punishment. There's no conversation about deterrent. As a matter of fact, they now say that sentences, prison, is not an effective deterrent. Well, maybe it would be if they didn't go for five minutes and get out. Maybe they would be if after fucking Elizabeth Holmes rips off a bazillion dollars and fucks over a whole bunch of people who are waiting for tests to make medical decisions that in some cases could be life or death. And everyone's like, oh, was well, she, even Davila, the judge Davila in her fucking sentencing had this whole section about what a smart woman she is. And if, if she had applied her, all this empathetic bullshit for her, there's empathy for criminals at an extraordinary level. And what's happened, it's so pervasive. It's like fish in water. You say justice, you say punishment, you say deterrent. And they literally look at you like you've grown a third eye and you go, okay, well, go walk around San Francisco. Yeah. And they don't connect those dots. And so it's time to make crime illegal and it's time to vote for pro-citizen, anti-criminal leaders at, at our community levels, at our state levels, and ultimately at our federal level. And by the way, multiple things can be true. Yes. Are there problems in some of our police forces? Yes. Has there been racism? Absolutely. Have people of color in certain parts of our country been fucked over by the legal system? Absolutely. Do we need to get after all that stuff? Fuck yeah, we do. Equal justice for all. Equal justice for all, period. And getting after what's broken for people of color or other Uh, people who are connected to other groups for one reason or another, getting after that matters and making crime illegal matters too. Two things can be true at the same time.
0: Well, brother, it's, it is, it's hard to have a, um, you know, a a civil society that works without a lot of the things you've talked about here. And without a civil society, you know, you're, you can have a private sector,
1: but it's going to be, Well, here's a a simple example. Here's a simple example. Uh, Why do fentanyl dealers carry handguns and rifles? And why does the Budweiser truck delivery person not? This is why. Because we have laws and we enforce them. And if the CORES delivery person or the Budweiser or, in my case, the discretion brewing here locally, delivery person shows up at the local market and they deliver 200 cases of beer, whatever the delivery is, they're not looking around worried that there's going to be horrible, evil gangs and criminals with weapons threatening them, killing them, taking their inventory why are they not worried about that? Why isn't the CEO of Molson Coors trying to kill the CEO of Anheuser-Busch? Because we have laws and they don't worry about it. The Coors Molson driver doesn't have a gun. The Coors Molson driver isn't child trafficking children to deliver the beer because they know if you're under 18 in the state of California, you can't be car- charged with any kind of a crime. None of that's happening. Why? Because if somebody robs the Molson Coors discretion brewing Budweiser Anheuser Busch truck, people call the police and the police show up and they're probably going to catch the person who tried to kill the driver and steal the inventory. Right? Well, guess what? Fentanyl dealers can't call the cops. So they have to carry guns. And so my point is hopefully very clear which is we have laws to protect us. And when we have laws to protect us, we are free to conduct commerce, to raise our families, to go to our places of worship, to to enjoy the activities that we enjoy, to have wonderful meals with our friends and family, to have people over to our home, to sit in the front of our house and not worry about somebody coming to kill us or, or take our things. Why? Because when we call 911, it works generally. Except for in certain cities, and we've forgotten this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Christopher. Okay. I- now I
1: do want to talk about Silicon Valley tech and 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 stuff, and I do want to talk about an insight around AI that I don't think a lot of people are talking about.
0: All right. All right. Okay. A few minutes. I'd love to hear what you're thinking is on that.
1: So here, here's the first one. The reality is, for approximately a year venture capitalists in Silicon Valley have been on vacation. Yeah, And in the old days, the connection between the public markets and the private markets was not a, not a clear one. That is to say NASDAQ could be taken a shit and VCs would still be fairly active. That connection has been broken. And we'd talk about why there's a whole bunch of reasons you can point to, but that connection has been broken. So when the, when the as is economy and as is stock market tanks, many of the VCs, particularly the idiots, uh, shut their doors. They pretend they're open, but they're actually not open. Okay, so what's happening now? A few things. Number one, the investors in these venture capital firms, also refer, uh, referred to as limited partners or LPs, um, have begun to say, hey, hey, um, if you're not gonna do anything with this money, eh, and you're gonna collect your management fees, uh, kind of go fuck yourself. I'm just going to take this money and put it in T-bills because I can do nothing with my money too and I don't have to pay you. So, and I'm an LP in a bunch of these funds. Um, I'm teeny weeny, of course, but the big, big players who are in these funds have started to say, um, I'm looking at your reports here and it doesn't look like you're doing anything. So that's point A. Point B, AI. AI's on fire. And now, FOMO has set in in a way that is uh, really unique to Silicon Valley, which is if you're not in the new hot AI company and you're a VC, uh, you're not one of the cool kids and you got you got some explaining to do. So everybody's chasing AI, which I think is a very good thing. A lot of VCs are going to do stupid things. They're like penguins. The big penguin jumps in and all the other penguins jump afterwards. Um, But investment bubbles are required to fund breakthroughs. So I actually think that's all the VCs jumping in the pool. I don't want to be invested in the dumb ones because they're all going to lose money. But massive investment is required. A bubble is required to produce a massive breakthrough in a handful of legendary companies on the other side.
0: And so you are the guy who 12 years ago, I'd say, 15 years ago, but you spotted that bumper sticker in Palo
1: Alto. Please. Yes. Please God, one more bubble. Well, here we are. Here's the other interesting thing that's now going on in Silicon Valley. Non-ai companies are getting funded. And around here, we've been hearing in very sort of quiet backroom discussions with some of the top top VCS in Silicon Valley where they're going stay just so you know but again, don't don't tell too many people. So that's interesting. the The smart ones are coming now, and not just in AI. So now's a good time to be paying attention to startup innovation. Now here's the adjacent thing I'm noticing. So back in the early days of the build out of the internet, I can remember feeling like I lived in two radically disconnected worlds. There was the Silicon Valley, San Francisco, Bay Area dot com world, and then there was rest of world. A small percentage of rest of world got that something literally transformative was happening and they got on it. And we started a company back in the day called Scient to help them build internet businesses. And half our our business was helping startups and half our business was helping major banks and major S&P 500 companies and the like. However, as a percentage, um, the the radical uh, percentage of innovation was coming from early stage startups and a radical innovation was not coming from S&P 500 companies, although there were some. Remember the expression, you don't want to get Amazon? Yeah. So there was some. However, I would go into these meetings and I'd feel like I was getting whipsawed or pistol whipped or something because I'd, I'd have a meeting with a, a, a VC and a bunch of startups. And we'd be talking about transforming the world and creating this new category and all this exciting shit. And they were in the go for it mode. And then we'd sit down and meet with a you know a major retailer back then. And they're like, ah, do we really need a website? I don't know. Right. And I was like, it, it was this cognitive dissonance." it was like, what's going on here? We got all these people here who say this is the future and all these people here who are going, I don't even know why somebody forced me to come to this meeting and we're probably not going to spend any money with you anyway. Well, guess what? That is the exact experience. Many of us, I think, certainly in my circle of friends, are having right now. I will talk to some very smart people. I talked to a good friend of mine, one of the smartest people I know. And she's on Wall Street. She's got a big job. Incredible, right? Technology enabled company. Incredible. And I said to her, hey, how much time are you spending with ChatGPT and Bard and other kind of AI technologies right now? She said, ah, none. I'm too busy. Yeah, we're busy. And I said, well, have you actually been on them? She said, well, No. I read about it, but I sort of anyway. And then I say, uh, like, you got to get on there and you got to be on there for hours a day. And they're like, well, what would I, why? And so here's where I think we're at with the evolution of the cloud, cloud 6.0 or whatever, wherever you are in the cloud. Because <laughs> yeah. the truth is, we're still very early in the cloud, hard, as hard as it is to believe. You know this more than I do and we're at the very front end of AI. And it reminds me of the old expression of, well, you know, uh, there's three kinds of people. There's the people in the parade and there's the people who watch the parade and there's the people who said, oh, was there a parade? And there's a stunning number of people who don't even know there's a parade right now. And, um, And that's where the opportunity is. I think there's never been a greater opportunity for innovation and new category creation than there is right now, Mm -hmm. right now. The ability for one person to create radical economic value through their fingers, typing on a keyboard today has never existed before from a developer who can write some code that that she then sells for a billion dollars to a creator who can create some content, who then gets 10 million views and is monetizable in any number of ways and everybody in between right? It used to be to create something new of value, was a capital intensive thing, was a thing that required connections and relationships and advantages and this and that and the other. And today, yes, you need to be able to get a computer and Wi-Fi. So that's a hurdle for sure for some. And if you can get to a Wi-Fi and you can get to the cloud and you can get to the internet and you can get to mobile and now you can get to AI, you can create a different future. You can change your future and the future of potentially uh, thousands or millions. And so there's this very weird bifurcation happening right now in society that I see of the people in the parade, the people watching the parade, and the people not knowing there's a parade. And you would think, with the hype of AI in particular, it would be impossible to not at least be fucking watching the parade. <laughs> Never mind. I don't know how you can watch the parade and go, hey, uh, let me pick up a trombone and see if I can make a noise and I'll walk around with you people. I don't know. This is looking pretty fucking interesting. I don't know how you can not do that. And yet some of the smartest people in business are, are, don't know there's a parade. And so I think now's the time to be very forward leaning on your skis about these breakthrough new technologies, these radical new business models. Once you understand what a, 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 a large language model is. Once you understand the difference between data and AI training data, everything changes. And the number of people who don't know what AI training data really means right now is extraordinary. And what AI training data really means is if you unleash AI on a set of powerful intellectual capital, you can unearth breakthroughs that are unimaginable and any company of consequence is likely sitting on a radical amount of incredibly valuable data that heretofore has not been monetized, not been analyzed, not been thought of. And we can talk about all the reasons why it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but pre a few months ago, we didn't know what a large language model was. We didn't understand the possibility of training data. We didn't understand the compounding value of a flywheel of data that has, um, that, that becomes training data for AI and what that could mean in terms of the growth of your business. Yeah, And so my point is, for those of us who are grappling with these things, trying to learn these things, it's changing almost daily trying to hang out with smart people about these things, listening to podcasts with smart leaders about these things, Uh, talking to entrepreneurs, small small e-entrepreneurs, big e-entrepreneurs who are creating whole new categories that we couldn't have ever thought of centered around these uh, AI technologies, right? Now's the time to unleash your creativity. Now's the time to be paying attention. Silicon Valley is waking back up. There's a a radical innovation cycle that will create the next great categories of our time. And it's happening right now. And in spite of the fact that it's all over the media, it is shocking to me how many people are doing nothing.
0: Christopher, you're the Paul Revere of the Gen AI age. I think that uh, people need to hear this, get up and do something. Let's pick up on this in our next episode, because I think, uh, you know, as often the case, you are seeing things before others do and have just a phenomenal way of putting it. Uh, my friend, thanks, you know, from a uh, practical timely counsel about how to get into the AI stuff to the whole thing, justice and peace and all this has been, as always, a great conversation, Christopher. Thank you so much. Thank you, Senator. I always love hanging out with you. All right. Christopher, we'll see you, folks. Thanks for being with us here on Cloud Wars Live. He's Chris Lockhead, Category Pirates, and many other wonderful things. Check him out. We'll see you next time. Uh, yeah. All right, Christopher, I got to uh, jump on this other thing.
1: Hey-ho, and- let's go. Thanks, I Bob.
0: Fantastic, Chris. Let me know when it comes out. Great, great, great stuff. See you, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.